0: Abbott and DeSantis make major political waves. Biden is contradicted multiple times on major policy issues. And a teacher sexually harasses students with the applause of the school board. I'm your host, Zach, and this is Zach's Fact Shack. Hello, and welcome back to Zach's Fact Shack. We have a lot to cover today. Before we get there, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share, especially if you're on YouTube. Go ahead and hit that notification bell so that you are reminded of every episode that we release. You will get a notification, and you won't miss a single thing. If you're listening to the audio, you can still find us at zacksfackshack.com. You'll be able to find all your links. That's the best place to be able to send any friends or family that you know that want to listen to this. You can send them straight there to zacksfackshack.com. Com. You'll be able to find links to everything. You can listen to us on Amazon, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, anchor.fm. So make sure to let everybody know what you're finding. And if you think this is a good show, if you think you're learning a lot, go ahead and let everybody know what you're finding here. Now let's go ahead and let's get started. So the big story today is, of course, what happened over the weekend. And that's the Basically, DeSantis and Abbott made waves, huge political waves that we haven't seen in a long time. How did they do this? Well, many, many Democrat cities have declared for a long time that they would be called what are what they would become what are called sanctuary cities. What does that mean? Well, simply put, a sanctuary city is a city that will refuses to. Enforce immigration law from the federal government. They uh, they come with the idea that I have. I have. Let me put it this way: I have seen many people argue that this is a biblical principle that the Israelites had sanctuary cities. That that's where you would run to if you committed a crime. You would run there. Here's the big difference. The reason that those cities were put in place is if you accidentally killed someone. Let's say that you were working in a field uh, together, you were the only ones there, and you caused someone to trip and they fell on a spike and it killed them, right? It It was never your intention. You didn't mean to do it. It was completely accidental, but to avoid being beaten to death, torn into pieces, Beheaded, stoned, whatever the, the 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 method of choice was at the time, you would run to the nearest sanctuary city, which would not allow the mob to take you. Instead, they would then come to an, an agreement through evidence, through trial, as to whether you were guilty of an actual crime or if this was just an attack by vengeful people, and whether it, it was truly an accident. But here's the thing. The sanctuary cities were not allowed to harbor you for actual murder, where you actually murdered someone, where you intended to kill someone. That was not a part of that. If you actually intended to break the law, and it wasn't an accident, it wasn't something that uh, was unavoidable, that you, you couldn't avoid it because you had no... Intention of it ever happening in the first place, right? That that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking the the, the sanctuary city was not allowed to harbor you if you actually intended to kill someone. Now, what does that mean? I don't know why that just happened. If you're listening to audio, we had a transition take place, and I don't know why. But anyway, what does it mean? Why is it important that I make that I bring this up? Well. The sanctuary cities that we have right now in the United States that have declared themselves this, they are cities that are refusing to enforce the law of the country. Now, you might be able to say and argue that the laws are unjust, and that's fine. You can argue that. That's thats your prerogative. You have the right to believe that. What you don't really have the right to do is to pick and choose what laws are enforced as a government. Either the law is enforced— or the law is not enforced. You, you can't go back and forth. Why is this important? Well, we don't want selective punishment. Of people, right? We we want it to. We want people to understand to know for sure that no matter what happens, no matter what party you're in, what belief system you have, what faith, what orientation, um, what sexual, you know, proclivities you have, that you will be treated the same as everyone else. That you will have a fair trial. You'll have a speedy trial, and that you will have the right to face your accusers, and that you will have the ability to put forth your defense and let the law take its what course. Does that mean that everybody's going to always get the right decision? No, because we're a bunch of humans working together and we make mistakes. But here's the thing. This is one of the most accurate and one of the fairest systems to ever grace our planet. But what's happening in sanctuary cities is they are becoming the judge and the jury and the executioner, really, in that they are executing their judgment, right? And their judgment is that if you come here, illegally, that you intentionally break the law, you cross the border without permission, you come here undocumented, however you want to put this, that you intentionally broke that law, and you enter the United States, they say that you do not have to face the consequences of your actions. Instead, because they believe that they are unjust consequences, that they will ignore the law And what this does is it sets up a preferred class of people, meaning that if you are an illegal immigrant and you commit a crime, these cities will not actually prosecute you. Because if they do, you would then be picked up by the federal government forcibly and deported. But this also means that if you commit a crime as a U.S. citizen, You will likely be prosecuted for the same crime, thus giving privilege to a certain class of people over another. This is not a good principle to have. It's not what we should be doing as a country, as a free nation that believes in principles that all men are created equal, and endowed with the creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are principles that our government was founded on. We understand that everyone should be treated the same. The reason I bring all that up is that people have been crossing the border at alarming rates. I believe the last count was 8,000 people per day are crossing the border. 8,000 people per day. Now, I'm not incredibly good at math. So you have to forgive me if I get this wrong, but I believe that means that that's roughly 800,000 people every 100 days, that would be 2.4 million people, roughly, every year are entering the United States illegally. Since Biden took office, I believe we're at 4.2 million people have crossed the border illegally that we know of, that we're aware of, many more are estimated to have crossed the border without our our knowledge, known as gotaways. What we understand with this is that that is more people than many of the populations of the states in our country are entering into the United States yearly, an estimated 2.4 million people, nearly 5 million people every two years, 10 million every four. Do you understand what I'm referring? Like the the absolute sheer magnitude of people entering the country illegally. All of these people are placed at, in, in, in very, very, very small towns on the border Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, California. They're placed in these small towns that don't have the ability to house them, feed them, close them, or clothe them. None of that. Right now, uh, Del Rio, Texas has a population, residential population of 34,000 people. They currently have 50,000 illegal immigrants in their city. Where do you put all these people? They are completely overwhelmed. The liberal stronghold of El Paso, Texas, is so overwhelmed that they are paying $2 million a year to bus illegal immigrants from El Paso to Chicago, New York City, uh, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, all of these locations. This This is not the state of Texas doing that. El Paso is paying for that themselves. The liberal left government cannot do what the liberal left ideology demands from the Democratic Party. What do I mean by this? And I, I, I'm, I'm being, I want to be very, very particular because we're talking in broad brushstrokes here. So I need you to understand that there is nuance and everything I'm saying, all right? But I don't have the time to cover all of that with every single sentence I talk about. So just understand and bear with me that I'm talking in very broad brush, brush, brushstroke generalizations here, right? So just bear with me. The left as a whole is under the, the notion that there should be no borders, that all countries and all lands should be inhabitable by all people. Now, this might sound wonderful, and it might sound like an amazing utopia where no one has to deal with border customs. They don't. They just go wherever they want. You want to live in the Bahamas? You want to live in Bermuda? You want to live in England or France or Spain or wherever? Just get on a boat, get on a plane, and get there. It's all you have to do. Just walk in. But here's the thing. To sustain that model where no country has borders, then no state or county would be able to have borders either. No city would be able to have borders. And what I mean by this is that jurisdictions in general would fall apart. But that also means that if the government and the the state government, the, the federal government, do not have Jurisdictions to put authority over to defend you and your property and your family, then they won't defend you or your property or your family, thus eliminating also the right to private property, which again is a leftist ideal in that everything should be communal. It's the idea of communism. Open borders has always been on the forefront of what a communist nation desires because everything should be in communion. All humans, all people should all be equal in communion in in one big happy family across the entire globe. The problem with that is this. You don't have the right to declare that you can have my things. My property, my house, my car, my food. Do I have the ability to grant you to access to that, to give you that, that stuff of my own free will? Absolutely. And depending on the scenario, if you ask, I probably will. I probably will give you those things. I'm a decently generous person. Now, if you're not nice, that's a different story. I'm working on that. I'm working on that. But here's what happened over the weekend that will make all of this backstory make sense. GOP governors of Texas and Florida, Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis, sent migrants to Martha's Vineyard and the vice president's residence. Why is this a big deal? Well, for a while now, Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis have both been sending illegal immigrants, undocumented immigrants, however you want to call them, illegal aliens, whatever, to multiple Democrat stronghold metro areas such as Chicago, Philadelphia, D.C., New York City, places like this. The reason that they're doing this is the understanding that, again, these are sanctuary cities. They have declared that they will not prosecute, they will not help the federal government to prosecute, they will not lay a lift a hand to help anything. They will hide illegal immigrants within their borders and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Now, with that being said, they decided to test that theory because they did not believe that the, these Democrat cities actually believed that. And here's why. They're not being influxed with millions of people every year. They might have a hundred or so people show up. That's sustainable. What's not sustainable is millions of people. So they have been busing tens of thousands of people into these cities and giving them to the Democrat strongholds of these cities and saying, this is your problem now. Right or wrong. It is an effective tactic because what you're looking at here is Republican governors calling the bluff of the left because it's really 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 easy, super easy to say that you are a sanctuary city and you won't heart you won't do anything to uh, harm or remove illegal immigrants if you have no illegal immigrants to worry about now. New York City is so massive that there are absolutely illegal immigrants living in the city. Uh, Absolutely. Now, but what we do know is that there are not nearly as many living in the city this quickly. And here's why. So if if you look at the border towns They had illegal immigrants who had assimilated into the country. They have been here for years. They've tried to make a life for themselves. They have still broken the law, but they are absolutely working their tail off trying to do better with their life. There's also the illegal immigrants who have come in that are absolutely not doing that. They are absolutely trying to break the law and commit crime. You have both of those uh, types of people in this group coming into America. The same reason, same way that you have that type, that those groups of people that are citizens of our country, they are also here both trying to make better lives and commit crimes. Both things are happening. But what's happening right now is there's so many people pouring over the border daily, that there is no way to assimilate them into the into the world, into the country, into the city, into the town. There, there's no way to get them a house. There's no way to get them food or clothing. So Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis have been shipping these people to other larger cities. Farther into the country and saying, Look, you have said that you will help. So here's what you're going to, here's the people for you to help. They absolutely lost their mind when this took place. But when they really got upset, when they really got upset was whenever they deigned to take 50 people, 50, not 50,000, not 5 million, 50. 5 groups of 10. They flew them to Martha's Vineyard, which is an island in Massachusetts. Let me let me let you listen to the response of one of the citizens of Martha's Vineyard upon finding these 50 people in their town. Here's what she says. So what are the most difficult challenges right now? The difficult challenges are uh, we have, to, at
1: some point in time, they have to move from here to somewhere else, right? We, we cannot, we don't
0: have the services to take care of 50 immigrants, um, and we, we certainly don't have housing. We're in a housing crisis as we are on this island, and so we don't, we can't house everyone here that lives here and works here. So, these these people are... They're finally forced to face the true cost of the policies that their elected representatives have been pushing. The open border policy of the left that has been causing these issues all along the border is now being, causing issues in the wealthiest areas the wealthiest and whitest areas of the elite Northeast. What they did within 24 hours was absolutely shocking. Did they build structures and houses to place these people in for permanent residence? No, they did not. Did they feed them? They did. Did they house them overnight? They absolutely did. These are all things that they did. But what was the very next thing that they did? Massachusetts activated 125 National Guardsmen at the behest of Martha's Vineyard to help transport the 50 illegal immigrants who recently arrived at Martha's Vineyard. This is coming from the Daily Caller. They activated the National Guard to do this. You see this video. They are kicking out these immigrants within 24 hours of arriving. People will say, well, how, how dare you judge them for doing that? They're, they, they, they can't support them. That's correct. They can't. That was the point. The border states are begging people to help because they can't take the influx of people either. This was simply 50 people, not 5 million, that have been pouring across our border. But here's the thing. Everybody think, seems to think that this is an amazing thing and that everybody needs uh, to, to let people cross these, the border. Well, here's the thing. I'm showing you a clip right now If you're watching, if you're listening to the audio, it is the Rio Grande and it is, let me make sure I have the location correct. It is near Eagle Pass, Texas, and what looks to be a nine or ten year old boy, maybe even younger, is drowning in the Rio Grande, desperately trying to cross. That's what the open border policy is doing. It is causing people to risk their lives to cross the border illegally. It is causing people to sell themselves into slavery with the cartels to get across the border. Many in sex slavery, many in drug slavery. These are the things that the left's open border policy is causing. I'm not referring to the liberals or to the moderates or the conservatives who all tend to agree that, hey, this is not good. There needs to be some sort of cohesive understanding about our border, that it needs to be secure. Does does this seem to be secure to you? 5 million people entering into the country over a two-year period and just disappearing into it. We have no idea where they are. We have no idea who they are. And this is happening under the uh, under the uh, policies that they're supposed to be sent back because of COVID. And they're still entering the country daily, hourly, Those who are on the border will tell you that if you go at any point, you can go to the border and you will see hundreds of people cross. Hundreds of people cross. It doesn't take long. Our border right now is Swiss cheese. And we're doing nothing about it. So what does the White House say with all of this going on? Because now they're being forced to talk about it because it is now affecting the liberal elite left. Let me change those words. It is affecting the elite left, the people who up until now have not had to deal with the consequences of their policies. That's who this is affecting now. So questions are starting to get asked. So here's a question to the White House Press Secretary. Let's see what her answer is. But does the White House stand by those comments that the border is secure? What we stand
1: by is that we are doing everything that we can uh, to make sure that um, uh, that we follow the process that's been put forth. That, that's why we have uh, historic funding uh, to do just that, to make sure that, um, uh, you know, uh um, uh, to make sure that um, to make sure that uh, the folks that we encounter at the border
0: be removed uh, or expelled. She had no answer because she couldn't defend the policies. The official statement from the White House is, the, is it that the border is secure. The border is about as secure as water in my hand. Can I put water in my hand? Sure. Is it going to last long? No. It's literally going to run through my fingers. and There's nothing I can do about it. That's how secure our border is. We're holding nothing back. We're stopping no one. You would, have, you would have a harder time getting into, literally, into. you would have a harder time getting into a gated community than you have getting into our own country. There is no way to defend these policies. There is no way to say that this is good, that this is helping our country, because it is not. I'm sorry, it simply isn't. Now, we're going to get back to more things from Biden, because my question is, is who's actually running the government right now? Because... The Biden White House is absolutely doing everything in their power to convince people that there really is a deep state. Why? Well, it's because Biden made two statements in a 60 Minutes interview that were immediately retracted by the White House. Not by Biden. By his staff, who said the exact opposite. Not, oh, he misspoke. Because none of these statements were misspeak. Right? It wasn't that he stumbled over his words or could have been clearer in what he was saying. These were yes no answers. These were very clear statements. And yet here we are and they're retracting them. So let's let's go with the first statement and that is simply this. Biden says that COVID pandemic is over. Okay. Cool. I mean, we all know that. We've been living like that because it is, right? We understand that at this point, for the vast majority of people, you've either had it. If you haven't, you will soon get it. And it's no more than a cold for almost every human, right? There are those who are at higher risk. They will have problems. They will have complications it is what it is, right? You take precautions where you can, you make a, you live a healthier lifestyle, you get into a, into better shape. All these things are things you can do, but eventually you will catch this cold, just like every other cold that everybody has always gotten. Here's the thing. We understand that colds often cause people to have adverse reactions and die. The flu does the same to thousands of people every year in the United States pretty much where we are right now with COVID. So yes, the COVID pandemic is over. Immediately, within 20 minutes, the White House said, that's not the case. Policy has not changed, the, that we are actually going to continue going forward, that the, the pandemic is not over, blah, 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 blah. This was the response. Well, how about the next thing? The next thing that Biden talks about is, well, let me play you the clip from the 60 Minutes video. What
1: should Chinese President Xi know about your commitment to Taiwan?
2: We agree with what we signed on to a long time ago, and that there's a one-China policy, and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving, we're not encouraging them being independent. We're not, that's their decision.
1: But would U.S. forces defend the island? yes if in
2: fact there was an unprecedented attack
1: after our interview a white house official told us u.s policy has not changed officially the u.s will not say whether american forces would defend taiwan but the commander-in-chief had a view of his own so unlike ukraine to be clear sir u.s forces u.s men and women would defend taiwan in the event of a chinese invasion
2: yes
0: The White House contradicted Biden. Willfully, knowingly, they said Biden was wrong, that that was not the policy. So who is deciding the policies? Because it's supposed to be the president, but clearly that's not who it is. So who is it? If you're wanting to quell people's concerns about there being a deep state, this is not the way to do it, guys. Because this is really what people are talking about. Now, obviously the QAnon people, which I don't think they've had a correct prediction yet. Sorry if you're QAnon tough. I I don't believe what I don't believe any of it. But the average person When they say that there's a deep state, they are not saying that there is some high cabal that is running everything, right? Though there may be, but that's not what most people are saying. What they're saying is that there are unelected, lifetime bureaucrats who are making policies and decisions that we have no authority over as people, as citizens. And here's the thing. The government of this country derives its authority from us the citizens. And yet there are people unanswerable to us making policies over us. We have created our own aristocracy. These people are given lifetime jobs that they can't get fired from. They have millions in income. And they get to sign their pen and a new law is in place because while they don't make laws, they're not lawmakers. They make policies that are as good as law. They work outside of the coloring lines of the laws that Congress has passed, and they make new laws that you can't get rid of, that you can't do anything about. They don't answer to you. They rule over you. That's the deep state. That's what we're talking about. And this is absolutely evidence of that. The White House is the one in charge. Biden's along for the ride, which we've kind of known that for a while. It's kind of sad, honestly. There is no, there's no way that pre- that Biden is truly running this country. No way at all. And here's the thing: this is this is what's fun. The, the, in the same interview, Biden makes a statement on. Inflation that was rather interesting to me. Let me let me let you hear it,
1: Mr. President. As you know, last Tuesday the annual inflation rate came in at eight point three percent. The stock market nosedived. People are shocked by their grocery bills. What can you do better and faster?
2: Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month was just uh, 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 just an inch
0: We've been where it hasn't spiked. It's been basically even. We know that's the problem. I'd almost rather have a giant spike of inflation and then have it tail off and be done. But no, instead we just prolong it. I feel like (laughs) here's, I think I just figured it out. I think that the The same COVID response is being, the the response we had to COVID is what the Fed is now doing to inflation. They're just flattening the curve. They're not actually trying to get rid of the inflation. They're not trying to push it down. They're just making sure that it doesn't spike really, really high. Especially right before the election, um, so they're just going to keep it low and make it go long and keep it keep it there for forever, right? Because remember, whenever they said we're going to flatten the curve, the curve of all these illnesses were way up there like that and back down, like really sharp and you know really quick up, really quick down, and it was out of the way, right? But if you flatten the curve, all, everybody still gets sick. It just slows down when you get sick, right? So it's up like this and stays that way for forever. I think that's what they're doing with inflation is instead of it spiking and getting out of the way, they are slowing it down. They're not getting rid of it. That's not their goal. Their goal is to simply slow it down. But what that's doing is it's causing you every day to lose 10, 20, 30, 40% of what your dollar purchased the previous day. It's just being taken from you without say, without redress with nothing you simply do not have the purchasing power that you once did that's not getting any better so we're like well it was 8.6 percent now it's 8.3 it's still eight stinking percent what what do you want eight percent is eight percent and the little hundredth of a percent is not a big deal to me i'm sorry it's just not and here's, I, I still don't understand how you get the 8% whenever everything inside of the 8% is in the teens or higher. I, I I don't understand that. Somebody who has economic knowledge, please inform me. Let me know. You just put that in the comments, right? Send me an email, whatever. Let me know what's going on and how they're figuring that out because 8.3%, 8.6%, 9%, whatever, it doesn't make sense for what people are actually seeing. They're seeing 10, 20, 30% inflation in actuality. They're watching the grocery cart go from $100 to $300, and they didn't change what they were buying. The inflation is absolutely insane. It makes no sense. And yet, here we are. Well, it just it barely moved an inch. It didn't really move from last month. I know. It's still inflating. Bring the inflation down. Stop spending. That's how you do this. Will we go into a recession? Yeah. But guess what? You put us there. It's your fault. You spent all the money and the bill is coming due. Somebody's going to pay for it. I guess it's going to be us. As usual. The politicians aren't going to pay for it. Just us. Just us. That's, That's it. Ridiculous. I... I will end there on that subject because I will, I will just, mm, it's getting, getting bad guys. The last thing I wanted to cover is an interesting little, little topic. Um, I told you we're going to talk about the fact that a teacher is sexually harassing their students and the school board is applauding it. What do I mean by that? well, in Ontario, a high school teacher is seen wearing massive, massive prosthetic busts to class. Now, when I say massive, I am talking the size of basketballs. I am going to put up a picture for anybody watching on YouTube. If Just understand that they're eh, probably not for the kids, but let me put this up there so you understand what I'm referring to. There are three photos here beside each other. All of them are a biological male wearing these prosthetic breasts with the nipples showing through his, his tight shirt. He's the shop class teacher, apparently. And he is teaching people how to do woodwork or whatever. And absolutely, absolutely disturbing imagery from this teacher and the school came back and said that they supported the teacher and that this is a non-bigoted area and that the kids that this teacher will be supported and loved for their choice to live out their their gender identity here's the thing let's forget the fact that you're either a male or a female biologically and that's just the way it is. Let's forget that for a second and let's look at the fact that this man decided he was going to wear basketballs for breasts. Who thought this was a good idea? Who thought that this was okay to go in front of high schoolers and look like this? Who thought that they should be able, that somebody should be able to wear these outfits, this, this prosthetic in front of all of these kids? Everybody's like, they're high schoolers, they know they already understand. They've seen more than like, I don't care. If you use that, you use that understanding and that rule. most high schoolers have seen porn. We still don't allow you to just strip in front of them. That's not okay. This is not okay. There is no defense for what we are allowing in our society, and in our culture, in the name of inclusivity. Can we be a little less inclusive of insanity? How about that? Let's, let's do that. That seems like a reasonable response to someone who is sexually harassing kids. People are like, this is is him living out his identity. Fine, cool, dandy. Don't make me live out your identity. I don't want to see it. The kids don't want to see it. Go live that somewhere else. That is inappropriate for a teacher. It's inappropriate for an adult, period. But especially for a teacher. You're supposed to be there as a teacher to help kids learn and to grow and to become better human beings. In this case, learn how to use their hands to do woodwork. That's what you're supposed to be doing. But instead, oh, instead, we have to make everything sexual. There is no defense of this. None. I'm sorry. To those who are living with gender dysphoria, I am incredibly sorry for the lot in life that you have, for the confusion and the 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 the, the, the depression, the pain and the suffering that you go through being confused about your own body. But it is not okay to sexualize kids to feel better. You do not need the approval of children to feel better. And if you do, you have bigger problems. These kids should be able to go to school, learn, grow, and move on with life without being forced to see this to see this sexual perversion of what this man thinks a woman should look like. There is no human on earth that has breasts this size, in this proportion. It's just not. And there are many women out there who live with large breasts, and they have, apparently, it's very painful for the back. Ask them. That's the only thing I know. And yet they still don't go around with inappropriate dressing, sexualizing themselves in front of kids. Because the average person understands that these are kids. You don't need their approval you don't need them to give you approval because if you do, we need to talk because you've got problems. You need to find some better friends than that. If your identity is so fragile that you have to hypersexualize kids to feel yourself, maybe you should try a different identity. How about the one you were born with? Let's start there. Let's figure out what happened there. Let's see. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. The confusion that you're feeling. Maybe there's somebody who can help. Without mutilating yourself or sexualizing kids. Do I know enough in this whole category to say categorically that there is? I'm not saying that. What I am saying is this. Leave the kids alone. Let them grow and learn on their own. Do not demand their approval. Do not demand that they treat you with the identity that you think you have. Move on with life. There are so many ways that you can interact with people having never, without any need to ever use a pronoun. Ever. Because you know what? I won't refer to you with pronouns. I will refer to you with your name. Because that's what people do when they talk to each other. But I'm not referring to you. If I'm referring to you to someone else, if I am speaking to someone else about you, then and only then will I use pronouns. And the pronouns that I will use are those which I best think are assignable to you. And you don't get to decide that. You don't get to determine what I think about you. How I see you. You can do you. You can ask me all you want for me to use your preferred pronouns. And I will demand that you also use my preferred adjectives of incredibly handsome, wisest of all, those are, the pro- those are the adjectives that you must use in reference to me. And if you do not use those every time you mention my name, it will be a microaggression. And I will ensure that you are dealt with accordingly, mainly by being canceled or losing your job. You see how stupid that sounds? The pronouns. We're going to use the pronouns that that we believe are best assignable to you. Sorry, that's just the way it is. That's the English language. That's how that works. We don't change the entire language just so you feel better. I can't do that. I don't do it for anybody else. I'm not going to do it for you. If I see that somebody is being stupid, I say that they're being stupid. They don't like the fact that I think that they're being stupid, but they don't get to tell me what to think, do they? sorry. That's the way it is. You may think that I am being heartless in this moment, but in fact, I am being the most loving person you will meet because I am treating you with honesty. I'm treating you with true respect. I'm not coddling you. I'm not trying to make you feel better. I'm giving you reality because you are man enough or woman enough or adult enough, however you want to put it, to take it, to handle it. You don't need society To make you feel better, you don't need to be in a different body to feel better. I'm gonna treat you like an adult with the mental capacity to understand reality. That's what I'm going to do. That's all I ask of you to me. That's it. Treat me like an adult with the mental capacity to understand reality. That's it. That's all I'm asking. I want you to treat these kids like kids. Stop sexualizing them. And treat adults like they have the ability to understand reality. That's it. No more, no less. All right, guys, that's going to be the end of the show today. We went a little bit longer this time. Aren't you glad you get to see my face even more? Isn't that just special? But, unfortunately... That's going to be the end of the podcast. So what does that mean? Well, that means that you're going to like, subscribe, comment, and share. Ring the notification bell on YouTube. Make sure you don't miss a single podcast episode on YouTube or on your favorite audio player. Let your friends know about zacksfackshack.com. But until next time, this is your host, Zach. And this has been Zach's Fact Shack. See you next time.